No need for an introduction tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Terrence Bud Crawford is the greatest fighter on the planet today in the world of boxing. Tony Sheehan, welcome to the show, buddy. Ahmed, what a great introduction. I love the enthusiasm, but I want to know, why do you think this? All right. For those of you living under a rock over the weekend, Terence Crawford, one of the pound-for-pound kings in, in, in boxing, fought another unbelievable fighter in Errol Spence Jr. Took place at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Beautiful place, beautiful arena. Been there when Floyd Mayweather fought... Um, a few years back, he fought Errol Spence, one of the most feared fighters in boxing. Everyone they've mm. put in front of Errol Spence, he's abolished them, taken them out, never been dropped, never touched the canvas. Here comes Terence Bud Crawford, 35 years old, held back by top rank for many, many years. All right? Last year, he got out of his contract with top rank, court cases, you name it, the standard boxing story. Is Tom Frank run by Bob Arum? Absolutely. One of the greatest promoters in boxing. Moving on. He got out of his contract. He went solo. He picked up the phone. He called Al Heyman. He said, I want to fight Errol Spence. This is the time to make it. I'm 35 years old. Errol Spence, credit to him, accepted the challenge. Fights on. July 29th, Las Vegas, MGM Grand Arena. Ladies and gentlemen, packed house. And what a fight. What a display it was. The man of the moment, Terrence Bud Crawford, stepped up in front of the thousands at the, at, at the MGM Grand and put an absolute masterpiece of a display. Did you watch it live? Of course. Absolutely. And I also tipped him, and I have SMS evidence, date, time of me calling calling it out, telling one of my close friends who also manages another fighter, telling him, Terence Bud Crawford is going to win this fight. So Why? where did you watch the fight? I mean, where did you watch the fight? In the comfort of my own home. You know, the yeah, best well, place to watch take, the fight. Take us through. Was your wife there? Was your son around? Or did you just go in your little bunker Absolute and you watch the silence. fight and go to watch? You were jumping off the couch. You had the can of orange juice, the Coca-Cola, the salt and vinegar chips. Take us through the first round when um, Spence got uh, floored. My whole body was jittery. I had butterflies in my stomach. Watching Crawford come out with Eminem, one of the greatest rap artists of our time. He comes out with him on one or two days' notice after Eminem commented on his status on social media. He comes out singing, walks him to the ring, does his thing. He comes out wearing a fishing net, right, and steps in. Comes out as the second fighter, gets announced as the first fighter. Errol Spence gets announced as the second fighter. These are all little tricks, tricks, right? They're all marks of respect, right? Opening round, toe-to-toe, nice, filling him out. Crawford's known to be a slow starter. Spence is the opposite, likes a press, come forward. Second round, same thing. Third round, boom, gone. Down he goes because he's naturally a right-hander and he fought southpaw. So his right hand now became his jab, right? He threw a punt. He, 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 he threw a loose left. Then he stepped in with his 
leading hand, the jab, which is his, his right hand, and he felt the, the full force of a right hand with the jab. At shock Spence, took him to the canvas. First time in his career he touches the canvas. The crowd went ballistic. And as the fight went on, he touched the canvas a few more times before the fight being stopped. So, that was it, the seventh round, correct? Seventh round, exactly. So for so long, they were keeping this guy in the shadows. He was asking for these fights. Why? Why do they do that? You want to know why? Because they're mongrels. Tell us. Because they're greedy, greedy mongrels. Because the way they, these promoters think of it is, why would I put him in the hard fights when I can put him in subpar fights and still sell out and make, and make money on him? Whatever, if he loses it, all his value drops, according to them. But he stuck by his word. He got out of his top rank contract and he went after Errol Spence and met him. He said to him, I want to fight you. You, let's make this, let's make this fight for the fans. Boxing fans deserve this fight. They've been starved of the best against the best for too long. And he did, and he beat him, and he came up to 147 from 135 to 140 to 147. And he's willing to go to 154 for the rematch so Errol Spence can feel comfortable and not weight drained. And now Crawford is the undisputed welterweight champion of the world. The first time a fighter in the last 10 years to be the undisputed of, of in the four belt era. Wow, that is enormous. Congratulations Mayor, to uh, Crawford. There's Clarissa Shields, who's done the same in the in the females. So Terence Butt Crawford, ladies and gentlemen. Mark his name on your calendars. Look out for his next fight. He is an absolute masterpiece. Can fight Orthodox, can fight Southpaw, one of the most athletically gifted athletes I have ever seen. Right? If you want to compare fight, him to can we compare him? Can we compare Crawford to any of the bigger name fighters that he would be akin to? Well, there was a lot of comparison between him and Mayweather, but he hasn't achieved. He's not a five-weight um, champion yet. He's, he's only been in three different weight divisions. So he's still got a bit of time, and he looks and reminds me a lot of, of Tommy the, the Hitman Hearns. If you go back and watch him, if you're a boxing fan, you know who Tommy Hearns is. Look at his face. Look at his movement. And yeah. He's pretty special, man. He's pretty special. Tones? I agree. No, I've only seen limited highlights, Armand, but I liked what I saw. Crawford. Tones? The machine. I was. Yes, I'll give, you, I'll give you a piece of advice. Go home, close the curtains, lock the front door, get yourself. Whatever you drink, whatever you eat, your favorite foods and your favorite drinks, put them next to you. Turn on the Crawford versus Errol Spence fight. Put the volume as loud as you can possibly get it and just soak it in, mate. You feel like you're at the MGM Grand. Love it. I can't wait to do it. And I look forward to watching Crawford in many more bouts. On the same card was the semi-main event was Isaac Cruz, a fighter that's now managed by Manny Pacquiao. Who and Sean Gibbons, who's a 
an old boxing hit who's been in the game for a long time. Manny Pacquiao is the Filipino legend that we all know. Everyone knows who Manny Pacquiao is. He was there to also watch this fight. Isaac Cruz is a little Mexican pitbull. He's called the, his name is Isaac Pitbull Cruz. Little Mexican come, comes and makes his name against Javante Davis, one of the most ruthless fighters, biggest power punchers in boxing today. He fought Javante. He took Javante 12 rounds. Javante broke his hand, punching him in the head. That's how hard this guy's head is. And for 12 rounds, he comes at you, swinging. He's an excitement machine. He um, fought a fighter that's coached by the great Freddie Roach. And it wasn't the best of performance, but he was good enough. Did he make a statement? No. Did he win? Yes. But yeah, so he's also a name to watch out for. Um, moving on, the same night, there was more fights. UFC 291, stacked card, and what a card it was. Justin Gaethje defeated Dustin Poirier with a right high kick KO. Round two. This was for the BMF title. It was presented by Jorge Masvidal, uh, who was the previous um, champion. The, the previous BMF champion. Oh, I've interviewed um, Masvidal in Sydney. There you go. Look at look at that man Tones, man. He he gets around. He gets around to all the big names. Absolute um awesome fight. Not very long. Gaethje's very tough. Porio is very tough. Gaethje got 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 the got the high kick and just absolutely knocked him out of the park. He, he wasn't getting up after that. On on the same card, we had Alex Pereira. Those of you that know the guy who knocked out Izzy in kickboxing Cole and fought Izzy, and Izzy beat him in his last fight. So he then went up a weight division and fought Jan Blakowicz. I hope I said that right. He beat him by split decision. Also a fan favorite, Derek Lewis, the one that always says, my balls are hot and takes off his shorts. He did it again. He also won. He came out with a flying knee like what Masvidal did many years ago. And it landed, and 33 seconds, it was all over. Then he, he said his balls are hot, and he took took off his shorts, and he pounced around the ring. <laughs> As you do in celebrations. Yeah. And then we had Bobby Green versus Tony Ferguson. Tony, for the love of the game, we love you, Tony. You're a legend. You've done a lot for this sport. Please retire. I did see the first uh, two rounds of that fight, actually. Devastating. Really, really upset. Oh, the, the elbows to the head were just... It's just appreciate He's got a life after sport, after fighting. Please go look after your kids. You made enough money. Go enjoy your life. Enough. Father time has got him. It's clearly evident. Um, another one to highlight was Kevin Holland versus Michael Kiesa. I think Kiesa's done. Um, I think it's time for him to hang him up. I think there's there's nothing left in it. Go and commentate. You do a great job at it. And finally, our very own Jake Matthews, Aussie, won by submission, rear naked choke in round two against Darius Flowers. Great win for him. Uh, keeps his streak going moving forward. Absolutely spectacular win on one of the biggest stages. Great final all round. The UFC never fails to disappoint. 
gate was about six million sold that crowd you should you should actually change that statement why is that well because you said it always never fails to disappoint it's the other way around sorry my apologies uh never fails to entertain us all right correct and, and as we discussed last week the ufc has overshadowed boxing and is the premier combative sport in the world why do you know why it turns well because people were sick of um disproportionate uh results and they didn't like the judges having too much of a say over who won when it was actually the opposite in simple terms the fight the best fight the best and that's what people want to see people Correct. want to see action fights action fights i want to see people at their peak fighting others at their peak not waiting things out anyway a big weekend of fighting that's pretty much it in terms of the whole fight game unless you have something to add no i'm done that's uh it was a big weekend of boxing and ufc i'm happy with your summation of it all <laughs> all right back to uh back home the matildas are going through an interesting world cup journey a couple ups and downs a couple of do, do, do or die games stars injured so on so on a big game happened last night I'll, I'll let you take over but as we know 27 odd thousand packed into amy park in melbourne for the australia v canada women's world cup and the matildas were fantastic they opened up the scoring in the ninth minute with a hayley rosa goal and the crowd went bananas and then did you see any of the uh, game Armin? I didn't catch much, no. And then I think it was in, correct me if I'm wrong, around the 33rd minute, there was another goal, but it was ruled, I think it was ruled offside, and the crowd wasn't happy at all. And I must admit, there was a good contingency of Canadians in the crowd. It made for a very good atmosphere. And then the Australians continued to attack after that goal was disallowed. And then I think just before the half... Hayley Rosa again, I think, with a, another goal, which was allowed this time, which put Australia 2-0 up going into the half. And then the and then into the second half, the Matildas were just far too good. I know we were without the best female player in the world in Sam Kerr, but the Aussies managed to achieve what many doubted we could. And we went 4-0 up, beat Canada, and we're through to the knockouts, which is a fantastic achievement for the Matildas. So congratulations to them, Armin. Big statement coming from you. Will they make it all the way? Yes or no? Uh, well, based on their past two games, I'm not convinced. You know, I, I know we beat Ireland, I think, 1-0 in the first game and then lost last week to Nigeria. If my memory serves me correctly, but look, last night was a convincing win. I thought I'd like to see whether Sam Kerr can get up and play. We don't know how bad her calf is or the severity of her injury is. But look, the closer we get to the um, to the pinnacle, well, maybe she could become available. She would be a great addition, right? She's huge, absolutely huge, and you know what? The Matildas are front page 
around almost every mainstream media publication in the country. So, you know, who would have thought that a woman's professional sport would capture the country's attention with this amount of publicity? It, look, it's surprising, but it's fantastic at the same time. One and a half million tickets sold too, mate. Don't, don't forget that one. Look, the one thing that we did speak off camera about was, yes, there was 27,000 people at last night's game in Melbourne, but with a 30,000 capacity and when there was, I think, some 70-odd uh, thousand to the round one game in Sydney, where have all the fans gone? Is it Has it become a good TV game or is Daniel Andrews having an effect on the sports capital of the world? Very, very good question. I think it's, it's the latter, but anyway, we won't go too, too deep into that. We'll keep well, going. What, what, before we go on, there has one thing that has come up in the past uh, 12 or so hours since last night's game is the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation's microphones down at ground level overheard one of the Canadian strikers swear at Hayley Roser about being attacked and... It's allegedly gone viral. Uh, do you have any issues about female swearing? I mean, if it was the men who were swearing, I think it would just be an apologies to the viewers and we move on. What do you mean? That they caught her swearing? Yes, in, in the ground who microphone. Cares? Who cares? It's sport. People get passionate. It's heated. Who, who no, I totally agree. I'm just wondering why we're making so much of a female sports person swearing. It seems... The BBC is a dying. The BBC is a dying network. They're looking for anything to bring to, to bring to bring attention. Well, a, whatever the case may be, I'm I, I'm still surprised that we have a moment with two females, one of whom is Canadian, swearing at an Australian footballer, and it's become international news. We would have embraced it, actually. I, I reckon it would have been quite quite funny. It shows the passion. Well. If it happened in the EPL or at uh, Lionel Messi's game in Miami last week, people would have laughed. It happens. Not if. It happens all the time. <laughs> if you didn't even go and watch those games, everyone swears. It's normal. Correct. You guys are just drama queers looking for a bloody clickbait. And then, and then an Australian commentator has then come out and said that the female footballers should be on pay parity with the males. I think it's still a little bit too soon. Oh, this conversation. Mate. I am of the opinion you get paid what you make. Understand? Well, elaborate. What it means is whatever revenue you generate, you get paid. Why does it have to be him or her or whatever it is? You earn what you receive, right? The very good argument. Yeah. Well, why do we need to make it of female or male? Who cares at the end of the day? If they make more than, than the men, if they generate more revenue, pay more. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, what are we breeding in society? We're breeding entitlement for nothing. You earn what you generate. Simple as that. You generate more, you earn more. You generate less, you earn less. They couldn't, yep. even, they couldn't even sell the rights in Europe. The Women's World Cup. They couldn't... They, FIFA was fighting with media networks in Europe, the so-called the the land of of uh, female money where their mouth is. All just talk. Yeah, well, 
Men's World Cup, they fought over it. See the difference? Mm. Right? That's why it's called raw sport, because we don't hold anything in. We say it the way it is. Right? So it is what it is. You earn more. You, you, you earn more when you generate more. You, you generate Correct. less, you earn less. Men are the same. They generate more, they earn more. They generate less, they should earn less. No excuses here. Same yeah, applies. No, no argument. So you, your argument is spot on. I think it would resonate with a lot of people. 100%. That's it. That's what life is. Nobody gives handouts to anyone. All right. We had a legend. An AFL legend retired last weekend. Buddy Franklin is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Right? Um, people might disagree with me. Don't care. That's my opinion. And, I, and I'm but entitled to it. Who would disagree um, that Buddy Franklin, he has legendary status and he only played his last game three days ago? Well, people that don't like him because he's probably bet him up o- over the years. Right? So, like, if somebody should be salty at me, I'm... We actually both of us. We're North Melbourne fans. He kicks 11, 13 goals against us more than any team. <laughs> so, anyway, Buddy's a legend. He retired on the weekend. What an absolute honour to have him be a part of the, a part of our game. He produced some of the most amazing highlights. Imagine a guy who's six foot six, who plays like like a rover, picks the ball up like a rover on the run. Uh, the guy was unbelievable. He could jump. He could pick the ball. He could pick the ball up off the ground, low, at full pace. He could take speckies. He could kick goals from 60. He could do it all in his peak. And what a what a pleasure it was to, to actually watch him. I absolutely love watching him. This guy is literally, or was, unbelievable. He transcended the game. He put bums on seats. He brought people to the footy, to the TV screen that were unfamiliar with our game. And as I said, he transcended it. He was absolutely amazing. And Armin, for all of our viewers and listeners out there, I'll go through some stats, if you'll allow me. Please. 354 games. Wow. Of those 354 games, he obviously played at Hawthorne and at Sydney. 222 of those were wins. He only played in one draw, which is surprising across his um, career, across his 15-year, uh, 16-year career. Sorry, 18-year career. My oh, apologies. And 131 losses. He also had 1,066 goals, 742 behinds. Now, wow. also, one stat that uh, due to AFL tables, which they've been so kind as to put up on their website, you know what he's had the freeze for? 458 freeze for, which is in favour of Buddy, but freeze against, 680 freeze against. Wow. That's a, an alarming stat in my eyes. Absolutely. Interesting. Will he yeah. be the Will he be the last person we witness kick a 1,000 goals? Oh, um, yes. And it, he could even be the last person to kick 100 goals in a season. Yeah. Uh, Look, what he has done the way with the way the game is played in now, yes. Oh, completely. Uh, The the um, because 
forwards, there's no look. Yes, there's a Buddy Franklin. Yes, there's a um, Tex Walker, a Toby Green, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the the goal kicking now is dispersed over three or four people rather than the one big dominating forward like a Lockett, like a Franklin, like a Carey, like a Richardson. Like a Tony Modra. Like a Tony Modra, like a Jason Dunstall. The times have changed. And the, and the game is a lot quicker, so you're more likely to have differing goal kickers. Absolutely. And there's so much more running for, for the forwards now. They're, they're, they're all over the place now. They're running right up the ground and running back, running up. If they're not if they're not initiating the, the defender playing on them is is pushing them up the ground and the game well, become more options. Exactly, exactly. All right. So we we lose a king and another king emerges. Toby Green is the new king of Sydney, you reckon? Well, look, a lot of people might have thought that uh, a Joel Lamarty or a Logan McDonald from the Swans or an Isaac Heaney would be the new king of Sydney. No, but I think one is emerging before our eyes, and I think the mantle may have just been handed over to the GWS Giants captain Toby Green. What a superstar he is! I tell you, he, he's on fire. Uh, for as long as he can stay away from the tribunal, he will kill it. <laughs> because... oh, could, could you be a bit more optimistic? He has. Uh... Hey, hey, Tubbs. Look, I'm just being honest here, mate. He's he's got a track record here. As long as he keeps his head, he stays away from the tribunal. He's going to be at the top of. He's going to be the king of Sydney. Well, look, a lot of people thought with Buddy retiring, would he hand over the mantle to a Dustin Martin from the Richmond Football Club to come up and transcend a lot of AF, a lot of not only AFL fans because Sydney has quite a few AFL fans, but also to infiltrate the NRL supporter base. And Buddy Franklin has done that. Do we need a Dustin Martin who would appeal to a lot of um, neutral observers? He's covered in tattoos, good-looking bloke. The girls love him. Would he be able to do that? But he may not um, consider Sydney this coming off-season. So is Toby Green the the ready-made replacement to assume Buddy's mantle? You and I both think so. Can he do it? For sure. Especially in the form he's in, I think um, I think Dusty's on the is on the decline, unfortunately. Um, oh, unless against Melbourne on the weekend, one in in the last twenty. Um, something's not right, as they say, at the moment. Something's not right, and although well, I, I don't think he's going to beat Richmond next year, so maybe you're right. Yeah. So unless he gets over what's what he's fighting. Um, or what's really impacting him, uh, Toby's going to be the king no matter what happens, even, even if he comes there. I, I uh, think the AFL and its broadcast partners, being News Corp, Fox Sports and Channel 7, need to get on board. Buddy, Franklin was, but Buddy Franklin was front page of Melbourne's Herald Sun today and back page. But the Matildas took the majority of the paper's front page because it's an international sport. So In Sydney? And in Melbourne. So based on that, the broadcast partners in line with the AFL need to inject further publicity into the northern states and make Toby Green the face of football in this state. 
Agreed. New Zealand Agreed. But it's a, but it's a World Cup, so we can give them the exemption. Just yeah, okay, just then, which is an extension of, of our previous conversation. Yeah. Should Buddy Franklin have been the main story on the Herald Sun's front page or the Matildas? Um, in Melbourne, yes, for sure. Buddy for Franklin? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. For sure. Totally He's agree. The World so, Cup's great and all, but Buddy's, Buddy's a legend. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's the decision to outshine Buddy on the front page was political rather than offering it up to the fans. And what yeah, I mean by so. that... Yeah, how so? Well, what I mean by that is Buddy Franklin has played for 18 years. He is has legendary status and he's only finished playing three days ago. What he has done for Australia, for the Aboriginal community, for the game of AFL, for the country as a whole, is almost unparalleled. So put him on the front page and put the Matildas on page three and the back page. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all, if I'm going to be honest, because... I would have, I would have done the reverse. Uh, yeah, because... Buddy, what he's done for the game, especially in Melbourne, where the game is so big, like AFL's everything here, literally. If you look at employment, you look at engagement, you look at entertainment, every metric you can think of, AFL's huge. Huge, right? It's the biggest sport in this country by a mile. Soccer, I love soccer too, but even if it's a World Cup, it doesn't matter. This guy is an absolute legend. He is a spectacle. He is the main event. When he plays, when he used to play, people used to stop what they were doing, fans or not fans, just to watch him perform, right? This guy retired. He deserves the attention more than anyone. Oh, right? I totally agree. The only state which I would potentially question how much impact Buddy Franklin has had is Queensland. He was born in Western Australia, plays footy in South Australia by way of Hawthorne and Sydney. His Aboriginal heritage would have endeared him to the Northern Territory. Victoria, he played here, was an absolute superstar. Oh, Tasmania is an AFL state. He then moved to the Swans and became possibly the greatest player to ever don the, the red and white. So, uh, Player. No, I'm going with Buddy. Player. I don't think what Buddy did for people who didn't follow AFL... Plugger did not. Yes, Plugger was an enormous name, huge. But anyway. what Buddy did, Plugger was a, an exceptional footballer. What Buddy did for female fans, corporate fans, kids, is, it, I don't think it can be defined. He had such an impact on the state of New South Wales that I, I don't even know the economic impact that was so great. Different times, but I still say plugger. But anyway. Well, I um, say buddy. That's it. So my, which takes me back to my previous argument. Queensland would be the only state which wouldn't have an affinity with him, but even so you've got it's an AFL playing state through the Suns and the um, Lions. So he's had an enormous impact on the entire nation. Yeah, but who cares about Queensland anyway? <laughs> I'm joking. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, farewell, buddy. We wish Toby Green all the best. We wish him 
only success, and hopefully he'll be the next king of Sydney. Nick Kyrgios, what is this guy doing, mate? Like, what is he doing? Tattoos, LA, the whole, you know, the the trendy scene where all the content leads of the world go to and, you know, do their thing. What's our friend Kyrgios doing, mate? What is he up to? Look, Ahmed, there's no doubt Kyrgios is a wonderful player. He puts bums on seats. He's been fantastic for the game of tennis, particularly in Australia. But I wonder, is he going through a situation in terms of attention, fame, celebrity? And the reason I ask this, he's spoken recently about uh, having his arms tattooed and that some of the reason to get these tattoos on his arm were to cover up scars from self-harm. Now, he's undergoing a full back tattoo in the at his friend's tattoo shop in Los Angeles. Now, I'm not against people going out and getting tattoos, but if you are going to, for whatever word, desecrate your entire upper body, is it an underlying issue that we're not considering? Could be. Could be something seriously wrong. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure Dane Swan wouldn't necessarily give us stuff, but in terms of Kyrgios has played the very straight card for such a long time. So why is he now going out and at his age, covering his arms and now getting a complete back job um, when he's in the, in the twilight of his career? Good question, Tony. Maybe we, we, we can have some answers in our next week. Well, well that's what Sorry. I wanted to pose to you, Armand. Well, we've both been around sport long enough to ask these sort of questions. Do you want my thoughts? or? Of course I do. That's why it's the raw sports. I think personally he's missing something. There's something inside that's missing. That's and you don't think that from tennis? That sense of fulfilment. I think tennis is bothering him. I think he's only still doing it because the, because the money's good. Um, I think he's lost that love. He's trying to find it elsewhere. Oh, look, he's an amazing tennis player, but maybe you're right. Maybe there is something lacking inside, which is unfulfilling. And maybe he's building up a, a superannuation fund. I mean, he would have earned millions upon millions. You know, he was he was the baddest boy in tennis for a long, long time. And, and some of the world's commentators thought that he was destined for failure and sponsors would run away in their droves, and yet they've come back because he's such a good player. And when he's on, he is on. He's a good speaker. I'm just wondering about his immediate future. Does he remind you of Mark Philippoussis? No. Um, I think there's more of a personality to Kyrgios. Yes, they're both, both of Greek heritage. But I think Philippoussis, when he played and he was at the peak of his career, he was... Almost too arrogant. Now, I don't know whether that was due to shyness, but he represented himself through material possessions. Yes, Kyrgios likes his fast cars and does things a certain way, but I think there's a little bit, and this is not necessarily a criticism of Philippus, it's more critiquing the comparison. I think there's a little bit more substance to Kyrgios. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think there's something missing internally. I think that he's, there's a gap that he's trying to fill. And um, and I think he's looking at different ways to do that. And 
but all I can say is I wish and I hope and I pray for him that he does find it and, he's, and he stays happy and becomes happy because self-harm is, if he's got signs of self-harm on his body, that's that's not a very good sign. So hopefully he can stay healthy and happy and, and fill, fill, fill the void with what he's looking for in the, in the nearest future and, and onwards. Yeah, we both concur from uh, everybody at Raw Sports. We hope Kyrgios can find his, what is it? What am I, what's the word I'm looking for? His inner peace. And his purpose. Absolutely. All right, we'll keep going. Uh, pretty much coming to the end here. The cricket, I think this is one of the most controversial ashes we, we have watched. What are your thoughts, Tony? There seems to be a new story every single week. Every single day, yeah. they're playing. Um, I totally agree. My question would be, is it manufactured to bring the fans back to the ashes, back to cricket? I mean, I, I haven't known cricket to be spoken about in these at this length for, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Yes, we've had amazing individual performances, but in regards to two of the oldest foes in cricket, being England and Australia... We are now talking about stuff not only inside the fence but outside the fence. And it's either happens organically or this has been some of the greatest marketing by the cricket bosses we have seen in a hundred years. Well, I think it's 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 original. Like there's 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 a hatred there. I think that rivalry is is fierce again. The uh, I think there's a war between the two now, cricket war obviously. I think that based off what I read is that the Australian players also have tried to embrace the English players, like have, have, have a beer afterwards and so on, and the English players just stayed in their rooms. They weren't interested. So we... It's br- Sorry, mate? I think it's brilliant. Yeah, so so what we're seeing here is genuine hatred. I mean, genuine- I think Shane Bourne would be... Sitting upstairs, having a can of VB and a cigarette, saying, "I wish I was still here to witness this amazing competition." Yeah, because that's what it is. At the end of the day, it's competition between the, the two oldest rivals in the sport, and it's amazing to watch from the outside. And it seems to have brought out these different personalities in players. I mean, look at, oh, look, at Kawaja. look at Kawaja. What he's done in this series, he got racially vilified and you know whatever and he's come out and just gone back bang 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 warner came out as well in his last test got a half century which leads us to into warner's conversation is that enough to say to him he's definitely aging is it time yeah i I don't know whether that's a rhetorical question or not but i i think he would be Certainly, it would be weighing heavily on him. Um, there was talk about, you know, before this test, whether he should hang up the uh, the gloves and the bat. I, I don't know. Look, I'd have to look at it more closely. Um, but he would be feeling pressure from the selectors, from his teammates, from the public, from the commentary. But the biggest um, question he would be fielding would be within his own two ears, whether he still has the desire, the passion, but also the ability to, you know, play in the fifth test and have a 
solid contribution so that he could consider going on. I remember, I remember the old Warner was no Fs given, mate. He used to smash oh. that ball around the park like he was nothing. Confidence, ego, arrogance, power, pride. Boom. Yeah. He, he's, been, uh, he's been unfairly maligned. He's a very, very good cricketer. Unbelievable. Um, but his family's faced a lot, a lot of controversy as of, as of recent. They He hasn't been able to get the, the headlines over the last year or so. But yeah, we but wish you know, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, well, there you go. All right, we wish him all the best. So, yeah, but well, okay, now that we've wished David Warner the best, why don't you give an update to all of the listeners and the fans where the current score lies? We're, we're two all in the ashes. We've got one to go, but what happened? how did we lose the, the last test yesterday? I mean, do you mean how, how would we lose it? No, we lost by 49 runs. Yeah, yeah. We lost... There's con- there was conjecture over the ball given to England in the final day. Australia capitulated seven for seventy. Exactly. Yes. How the hell does that happen? And then we've got former Australian cricket captain Ricky Ponting questioning umpires and how England managed to get a different ball to the one that they should have been given, and suddenly Australia capitulates on the final day, and we're all at seven for seventy. Well, well, what does that tell you? Should there be an investigation? That tells you our, our leadership. There's issues with our leadership. To crumble like that, that means the ones that are up the top aren't there when we, we need them to be there. They're only there when it's convenient, when things well, are moving. What are we right. talking about? Patrick Cummings? We're talking about Steve Smith? Cummins, We're talking about Cummins, Cummins, Patrick Cummings, because... I've heard a lot of whispers that he's not the leader that, of course, Ponting's a very high bar, that Ponting was or Stephen Smith was in his day, right? Um, yep. He's a leader where, oh, yeah, well done, boys. I'm the captain. Like, you know, when it's when you need to dig and get in those trenches and dig deep, it goes missing. That's the word from inside, from, from inside the team. From inside the camp, and that's been published in multiple media lists. And that to me is, is clear because when you go on that, when you start losing wickets, you need to do something, change things up, move someone, push someone, right? Yeah. Stop that flow. Before it used to be Michael Bevan back in the day. When when we lose when we lost a couple of quick wickets, put Bevan up, steady the tide, gain back some momentum, boom, boom, boom. We're not saying that much anymore. Yeah, true. Maybe we're too focused on the off-field situation rather than the on-field. Could be. So, you know, it's um, it's quite the situation. It's 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 quite a time, actually, to to be part of quicker. It's interesting times for the sport. A lot of change is happening, a lot of movements, and I think we're going to see even more change moving forward. But that's a whole different conversation altogether. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, but anyway, we wish Australia all the best, all the best for the fifth test. Absolutely, mate. Um, so that brings us to the end, end of our show. We've had an awesome time as always. Um, like I always do, Tony, I'll leave it with you with, with some wise words. What do you got for us this week, mate? 
Well, Ahmed, you've uh, put me on the spot for, I think, the fourth week in a row. And I, uh, I'm i actually bereft of any um, any words left after that 44-minute fantastic engagement. I will do the same thing next week. And I bet you you'll give me the same answer. <laughs> well, it could be another 52 weeks of the same. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tones. You're an absolute legend. We'll catch you all next week. Take care, everyone.